So excited you're with us this week. Um, hi, my name is Justin Ganaway. Hi, my name is Kayla Mason Garfin. Hi, Kayla. Kayla, um, what are you drinking this week? Oh, this week I have a bottle of Prosecco Rosé that I got from Trader Joe's. It is the Conte Priuli. It was uh, like, hmm, I think $5.99. So we'll see how it is. First uh, impressions, promising. What about you? Oh. Love. You've been on kind of a rosé, a Prosecco rosé specific journey recently. You know, it's the weather, the springtime. It just turns me into a rosé fiend. I think it's genetic and I'm not mad at it. Um, what are you drinking? I'm drinking um, Cab Sav Boda Box. Um, Jeremy went in to get it in Springfield and um, there were like, at the at the checkout counter, there was this man who was like trying to give out discounts, but he was like, "Can you do more than ten push-ups? If you can, I'll give you a discount." It was so weird. It was just like the oddest thing. And so Jeremy was like, "How much is the discount?" And then the guy was like, "Not a lot." And Jeremy was like, "Take my card, please. Just give me my Boda box." So I'm not sure if that is specifically homophobic, but I do think it's vaguely homophobic. Can you repeat where this happened? Springfield, Missouri, everybody. No, but like what in what what type of place? Um it was Brown Derby. It's sort of like a like a city like alcohol store, kind of like um, you know, a big red. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, avoid those. And that's, uh, I don't know if I'm, if do you, I was like, I'm going to say, I'm sorry, but then I'm like, I don't know if it does this. How do you feel about it? I feel, um, upset. Um, that it happened. I mean, I feel like Jeremy has a more specific reaction, but um, I also thought it was wild. I, you know, I like a little bit of drama when it comes to getting alcohol. Um, and I will say that it's a really fresh boda because it's like, I've been drinking dollar store bodas recently because there's just the closest thing to my apartment. And this one is just like better. It's a better boda. Um, this week, what pop star do you feel like, Kayla? Okay, so today, um, well, I should say Cameron and I have been, (laughs) uh, this is true though, we have been asked to contribute vocals to a track for a band we know in New York, um, they're called Baby Chemist, look them up, they're very good, um, so we're contributing vocals to a track, backing vocals, um, we spent some time recording today. Um, I was shocked, shocked at how bad I sounded. You know, I kind of think that I am like a mediocre, like verging on good singer. And maybe it's just in my ears, but I'm like, I have some amount of talent, right? Like I can sing, but I heard this back and I was just like, (sighs) speechless. It sounded so bad. So I feel like (laughs) J-Lo. Who do you feel like this week? 
um that's so funny also i here's the thing i feel like every time you hear your voice recorded and i'm saying you is in like a universal term no one likes the sound of their own voice i mean i feel like a few people do ariana grande specifically but i don't like hearing my voice um Today I'm wait, like, that's so funny though, because I feel like on this podcast one time you said that you <laughs> didn't mind your voice, and I was like, how that's such a beautiful quality, I think. I wish I had more tolerance for my own voice, but I don't I, I don't love it. I think I've grown and sort of soured to myself. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we always want to see is less self-love. <laughs> <laughs> Um, today, speaking of bad vocals, I, you know how you get in your head and sometimes, or like, you're just sort of daydreaming and sometimes you just sing something wildly. Um, and I was about to get out, um, of the car to go to Target and get a Mother's Day card. And I just like sort of falsettoed, like just the line, take me to church, but I, I, my falsetto in like an awful tone. And I don't know why I did that. Uh, Jeremy started laughing for five minutes. So this week I feel like Hozier. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so this week um, we've got a few items of pop news to talk about. Um, I'd really like to start with the Instagram heard around the world um, with Billie Eilish covering Vogue and sort of a gorgeous, um, I believe the cover was like a pale pink 40s like corsetry inspired look. Um, It is notably one of the first times that we're seeing shape we're seeing tight silhouettes from billy and we're seeing a little bit more skin obviously she's now above 18 she's going into her second album cycle um the hair is like the bleached hair is unveiled officially even though we've kind of known about it for a while kayla what are your takes on the luke's first I think the looks are close to impeccable. I think she looks great. I think the shots are great. I think it's beautifully executed. I think she looks really fantastic. Um, I also appreciate the sort of like double entendre bombshell of it all, you know? Um, and I think it's a fun new direction. I do feel like, um, this has been, this is a very precedented move. I would say though, like, I do think, you know, the, um, you know, the turning 18 and going on Vogue in a new look, that's definitely a motif that we've seen before. The Also, the pivot from sort of either um, rock star looks or, like, appropriative rock star looks pivoting to pinup, we've certainly seen before as well from Gwen Stefani, notably. Um, so, like, there's, there's elements about it we've seen before, but uh, I think I... Considering the images themselves, I think they're stunning. I think Billy looks great. I think it's um, beautifully artistically directed. Um, although there's one shot where I think Billy's like thing is, as we talked about, like being and looking sleepy. But there's one shot where I'm like, couldn't couldn't her eyes be open? I don't know. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? You want to smize? You're like, give me just a little bit of a tiger smize. <laughs> yeah. Raise your eyebrows, stop it. I don't know how that goes. Um, <laughs> I think I agree. I was like, my first reaction was that I was sort of wearied because it is such a tried and true, like, um, 
second step in the career it's been done but like also everything's been done so it's just so hard to like um I like it, it's so hard to be new and I do think Billy like comes at it from such an enlightened point of view and what I liked about it is that um I let like even when Billy was being sort of appropriative in her first era. Her eye for styling was always really good. She had like a, a good eye for proportion and an amazing eye for like jewelry and accessories and how to just sort of elevate a look to something else. And what I loved about this look was the hardware on the corsetry. Like it wasn't like your like Kardashian spandex waist trainer. It was like gorgeous, like almost period specific, like corsets and like and I thought like you know just a great eye I know she had a part up like a part in that um and I um I wished for more hair I guess I thought that like the the like the whisper at like a rolled look was nice but I just felt like there could have been something else to take it to that level and maybe it's like just not a bleach job at all but like a more nuanced blonde I don't know. Um, no, I agree. You know, what I would say is that the, um, and this is very specific, but I feel like the curl that they did should have been either tighter or looser. Um, like as it is, it's not sort of that brushed out like forties wave, but neither is it sort of the more tight, like fifties wave. Um, and the bangs are not, are not a length that sort of corresponds. Like the bangs are, the bangs are a very like current length, but they, I feel like went too schmeried with it and they should have either chosen to go full period or done a different hair look. Like I like the sort of classiness and way it bring like a done look brings it all together, but they also could have done something different, I think as well. And it could have been interesting, but I totally hear you on the hair thing. Um, and I agree. We're just picky about hair on this pod. And I feel like we're allowed to <laughs> Um, if we're talking body, I thought she looked stunning. Just truly amazing. Um, oh, she looks beautiful. And I think that, like, she's, um, I'm curious if and how this new look connects with the sound of her new album. Um, because we've also seen her as she's revealed the new hair, the blonde, um, been wearing, I feel like I've seen her in like cardigan twin sets on, uh, Instagram. And I'm sort of wondering what the new, like, is the pinup aesthetic, the new aesthetic, is this sort of like Bobby socks or cardigan thing involved? Is that affecting the sound? How many ballads will be be subjected to? Because the looks do not tell me we're getting any more fun Billy music. It tells me she's leaning into like the Lana of it all, which not thrilled about, but I I'll listen. I'll listen. I like her. The color palette was very Lana. Okay, so I feel like yes, let's talk about this album and then we'll talk about the interview. Um, have you heard the new song Your Power and um sort of the the ethos behind it? Actually, no, but I heard it was bad, but I haven't listened to it, so I can't speak on it. Um, okay, so Your Power, um, I've heard a couple times it is, in fact, a ballad, um, uh, but it, 
it, it is a song that like that discusses sexual abuse and so there's a lot of significance to it and then like upon reading the the lyrics I was like okay I completely get this I understand this point of view um but like with just listening to the song I was a little bit lost as to like where it was going because it's because it was a Billy ballad and it was sort of disjunct and um you know like a little bit airy um I I am in agreement with you. I just don't feel like the rollout for this album is giving me any sort of coherence between visuals and like planned sound or ideas because I mean, a, like a pinup cover on Vogue, it has such a strong meaning for like where you're going next. Like, are you doing Christina Aguilera back to basics or is this just like a fun thing that you're dressing up in and you're like, I don't know. And I don't want to preemptively like say that the album's going to be bad, but I'm just like, I expect a lot from Billy because she like obviously is strong at producing visuals and strong at producing music. But I like, I'm, I expect congruency. I don't know. What do you think? I'm excited. I'll listen. What I'm excited in particular about is Billy has posted, I think several times about like, she's so in love with this project. She's so excited. And I know most artists say that, but that, you know, makes me feel hopeful. Um, I, I'll listen. I'll listen. I'm nervous, but I'll listen. I just, I, uh, I hope it's not slow. <laughs> it's going to be I, slow though. It's going to be, snail paste and I'm just gonna want her to squelch and uh if that makes me old so be it (laughs) do you have takes on the interview did you read the interview you know I've read some like summing it up but I haven't like read the actual full interview would you fill our listeners in so I've read the first half of the interview. So okay, we're, we're readers. We're readers. Prepared. Well, I mean, you know, I do think both of us are strong skimmers. And what I will say is, is that the interview itself was so, um, I don't know, and I may not use the word meta correctly here, but it was so meta in that, like, she, and I'm, I think I'm using it wrong, but she was coming into it, or was so self-aware, I don't know. She was coming into it and she was like, you know, people are going to say this about me showing my body, but it mean actually means this, but then they're going to say this. And this is how I would respond to that. And it was like a lot of like jumping through hoops, which I completely get because she's this like artist who was born on social media and is like, is, ha- has long been called the voice of her generation, generation. So she has to be so specific about what moves she's making. Um, but it did seem like a bit of a departure from the sort of rock star Billy that we know who's like this is what I'm doing I don't give a fuck um what did you think yeah I mean I think it's very interesting to see her grow up you know she's um a lot of I feel like the pop stars that have like grown up in the public eye um you know I'm now at the generation where they're like firmly younger than me. And I just think it's interesting to, to see as an older person, right? Like Billy is someone that I feel like I would have very much identified with were I her age. And I definitely still feel a connection to her now, but I, um, have that sort of like remove of being a little bit older. And, you know, I feel like this is sort of the, the first time I'm seeing a pop star come up who I'm like, Oh, like this is a new generation. And, 
I just think it's interesting to see how she handles it. I feel like, you know, I, those, those videos that she does like every year where they ask her the same questions and she keeps getting older and sometimes wiser and sometimes just like, like it just seems like being famous really sucks. Um, and that sort of, the vibe I get is that she's hyper aware of the discourse because I don't know if she bargained for this all, you know? Um, and I, uh, I feel for that, but also I, um, I'm looking forward to the album, I guess. Yeah. yeah me too. Um, okay. So in other pop star news, Demi Lovato released two tracks from a deluxe version of her tell me you love me album. This is not even a month after she released, um, her latest album dancing with the devil, which we just reviewed. Um, and she's released two tracks, Smoke and Mirrors and Ready For Ya. Smoke and Mirrors is more of a ballad, but it's sort of dark. It's very R&B. It's really well produced. It's nice. Um, Ready For Ya is a little more hype. Um, both of them are fun. Both of them give you, like, the excellence that you got on that, on um the Tell Me You Love Me album. But I texted Kayla when I saw that she had released these two tracks and I was like, what in the world? Like, I love, because as I said on this last, on the last pod, like, it's my favorite album by Demi. But she's like, she had a huge Froyo incident and which like sort of eclipsed the release of the Dancing with the Devil album. And now she's releasing deluxe tracks from an album that she released before that album and I'm just like, who's doing the PR here? I guess it's Scooter Braun. What what, what do you think? <laughs> um, let's explain the Froyo thing, because I don't think we've mentioned it on the pod yet, actually. So I, from my understanding of the event, Demi was at a Froyo shop where they had sort of like demarcations. I, I guess I should content warning for eating disorders at this point. Um, they had... So this yogurt shop had labeled um, a number of different foods, like sugar-free, stuff like that. And Demi was sort of calling them out on social media for using, like, diet culture language. Um, And then there was a big backlash to that, saying that, like, she was overreacting and that, like, these are just terms about food. Um... And I definitely, like, see both sides. Like, I don't really fully understand why Demi went in on them. I understand. I certainly understand being triggered around food stuff, and I think that that's super valid. But I didn't necessarily understand why she was targeting that specific business uh, when I feel like there's a lot of businesses that use that type of language. Um, And that was sort of what the online discourse was bringing up was uh, at least the people that I saw fighting online were like, this was a small business, Demi, like fry a bigger fish. Um, So I don't really know, but I frankly think that uh, whatever this debacle has sort of stirred up uh, more business from the, for that Froyo shop um, than if Demi hadn't brought it up. So I don't know. I am a little bit confused by the whole thing, and I kind of don't think it matters. And I was surprised. Like I, I don't think people remember the old Demi. Like the old Demi used to tweet nonsense 
all the time and like pick fights with people on Twitter. And like she, her team had to take her off Twitter because while she was sober and not sober, she could like, couldn't stay stop picking fights on Twitter over stupid shit. I remember just being like so embarrassed because she's such a talent, right? Like you want, you want her, that to just be a conversation she has with her friends. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, well, uh, I, I think that this is probably something that was on the forefront of Demi Lovato's mind. And I do think that there is a conversation to be had about diet culture. I just don't think that this is the venue, like, um, in order to bring it up and like, um, and the only reason I like, don't want her to do it is because I don't want her to, I like, I want the, I want the focus and I want her excitement and I want her energy to be uh, behind promoting dancing with the devil. However, <laughs> on even I may like, like find it, I do want her to be excited about this. And so I don't know. I think there was a better choice to be made, but I agree with you. Demi is off the cuff and that's kind of what we demand of our pop stars. And it like, and it is kind of entertaining to see someone be off the cuff and a little bit messy, but yeah, Demi is a voice. She's like one of the biggest voices we have in pop music right now. And I want that to be um, celebrated, but you know what? Big voices can be messy too. And so absolutely for sure. For sure. Um, but I will say that the two songs are good and I, I love Taylor Swift for allowing us to just revisit whatever era we want, um, of the, a pop star's career at any moment. And, um, let's go with art pop part two. I'm ready. <laughs> um, okay. And in other news, we have Britney Spears. Um, she has, is speaking on the documentaries once again. Um, she's uh, been in the news twice recently. Um, the first being that she released like another dancing video because she loves to dance on Instagram. And truly, I love watching her dance on Instagram. I think she gets so much joy from it. And I do think she has such a style. But um, this sort of notable line from um, her from that Instagram was these documentaries are so hypocritical hypocritical they criticize the media and then they do the same thing which is basically her saying like 2007 like the media would try to rule my narrative and now these documentaries are again trying to do that and I mean and I completely understand her not wanting to revisit like this really traumatic point in her life. Another part of the Instagram was her saying, yes, I've had really bad moments, but I've also had a a lot of really positive moments and I would love for those to be focused on. So if we believe Brittany to be writing these Instagrams, I like, I do like, I do think it makes a lot of great points. And we talked about this a little bit on the pod, like um, with Barbara right after the documentaries had been released and you guys, um, and you guys were kind of talking about how, yeah, the, the documentaries are unethical and I, and I think you're right. And it, and I'm glad that she posted about this and kind of said like, Hey, I know that you got like, yes, framing Britney Spears is such an intriguing title for a documentary and it's so much drama. And of course I watched it, but now I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I should have taken a step back and thought about what this meant for her. Um, what do you think about all this? I kind of think the same thing. I, I think, um, like, I guess I just wish her the best. I hope 
it's it's a question, right? Because like what the documentaries are alleging is that she doesn't like pretend like like there's some question about who controls the Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I um, think the best thing that we can do is like respect her privacy. Cause that's what she's asking for. And like consuming her media from Instagram, I think is a great way to do it. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to think about, you know, all of this, stuff for a long time, I think. And we'll hear directly from her in court in June. Um, and I, I think that I hope that will provide a lot of clarity. Um, so I think I, I am gonna just like posit that I definitely was into the documentaries too. We discussed them on the podcast and I've been thinking about them. And, uh, I think, you know, what, uh, in particular framing Britney Spears was positing is that, you know, Britney ha- doesn't and hasn't maybe had a ton of agency in all areas. And so I think the best thing we can do as fans to give her agency is like, listen to what she has to say. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I really hope that like, when she's ready at some point, like, that she gets to, like, have control over, like, the information that's put out. Like, I really do think, in a, like, a, a documentary that she helms would be incredible. Uh, oh, and, yes. Uh, like, the pop music moment of the fucking century. Oh, my um, God. The Minions memes. Do you remember that period on Instagram where she was just, like, posting Minions memes over and over? I don't. I remember the the red carpet where she went to the Smurfs movie. Okay. <laughs> and I feel like wow. it's similar. Related. <laughs> um, also, just in other news, again, and I mean, and we, I, like, I, I think that we should be taking her Instagrams at face value, but it, another Instagram that she posted was like, hey, um, I don't really talk to Billy B anymore. And like Billy B has sort of been this mouthpiece in the media. Um, and because he painted her, he was her makeup artist during her like, um, first three album cycles. Um, he painted Gaga, he's painted Rue, like, um, well, very well known. And he like posits that he's very good friends with her and that she has no access to her Instagram. And then, um, Brittany kind of put in one of her Instagram. She's like, I don't, I don't talk to Billy anymore. So, um, again, I mean, I, there's going to be so many people dissecting these Instagrams and half of them are going to say that you don't write your own captions and the other half are going to say that you do. And so I, it's relevant information to the story, but yeah. 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 Well, um, Let's get into the album that we're talking about this week. I feel like we just had a lot of heavy current events. Like, there was a lot happening that required serious academic analysis. So Absolutely. let's turn. I didn't look up the exact release date. For I'll that. pull it up. I have it right here. It is... <gasps> It's June 2nd, 1987, which is three years to the day before my birth. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This well, album. I guess I just answered our first segment, which is usually where were you when this album was dropped. It was three years before my entrance into this plane of existence. Um, and I don't know where I was. What about you? <laughs> Same girl. I I have no idea where I was. 
1987. I hope. I would. I don't know if I would like to know or not where we were before we were born. I don't know. If we're getting that exists, I don't remember it. We would be sort of matter, right? I don't know. Just all just like molecules. Yes, we were molecules. We were whispers of molecules. I don't know. Or this is science. Yeah, if we're going with reincarnation, uh, we could have been, I feel like I would have been a, like a really exciting beagle, but um, I don't know. Did you say beagle or eagle? Beagle, like the okay. floppy ears sort of a dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. cool. Um, um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, what What is your relationship to Whitney? <laughs> I'm. Uh, you can't see me, but I'm currently wearing one of two Whitney t- uh, Houston T-shirts I own. I bought them both secondhand, so like for whatever that's worth. I just saw them and I was like, I can't leave the store without it. Um, <laughs> but I love Whitney Houston. She is the voice. She's the greatest pop voice we have ever known. She is the blueprint. She's everything. And I will also say. Um, like this is not particularly relevant, but it it has to do with my relationship to Whitney. Um, her uh, the production of Cinderella that which she was in and that she produced with Brandy um, and Paula Montalban like changed my life. Changed my life. I never. I was I was seven years old. Uh, there was like um, like mixed families on stage, all kinds of different people, all kinds of different like body types, and everyone was so beautiful and singing like stupid Rodgers and Hammerstein. Um, so I love Whitney Houston. I will not hear slander against her name. I love her, um, and she's. A great talent. What about you? I have two specific sort of interactions with her. One of the things we've discussed on the pod before is that I was in a generation like, like for us, if we're talking about Mariah Carey, um, where the media was just sort of trashing her when I was like, like growing up and in my formative years. And so I had that sort of like bad taste in my, my, my mouth for Mariah, which has since been um, washed out because of her incredible Christmas music. Hallelujah. Um, <laughs> um, and the same kind of goes for Whitney. When I was growing up, there was a lot of chatter about the, um, about her reality show. She was said in her tumultuous times. And I remember like, um, you know, like tense interviews with Oprah. And, and so I like, that was my interaction with her when I was young. And then I w- w- went to gay clubs and then I was introduced to, I want to dance with somebody and like her big hits. And, I like. I will say that I am not. I am not well versed in in Whitney's catalog, um, but I do know her to be an incredible voice, if not the voice, the one. Um, and so, I'm excited to talk about this album for sure. Um, yes. So um, let's get into it. Yes. Let's- one last thing I wanted to mention is that if, um, I would say like eight times out of ten. In the olden days, if if anyone got tipsy with me and we were we went down a YouTube spiral, inevitably I would show a few videos, and a couple of them would be specific Whitney Houston live performances. I have seen 
a fair number of the live extant performances that she that are available online. I could tell you, I could rank them. I could tell you everything about them. And I just want to put it out there to our listeners right now that it's a wonderful way to spend an evening um, listening to. I, I I think no one does live vocals like Whitney did. So. I highly recommend it to our listeners. Let's jump in. Let's jump in. Let's jump in to the first track off of her self-titled album. We have talked about this track on the pod before. We have. I want to dance with somebody. Who loves me? Um, I have nothing to say. This is one of the greatest pop songs ever written and certainly ever performed. Uh, 15 out of 10 impeccable production lyrics, music. Uh, I have, it's, it's a masterpiece. Um, there's a key change. It's uh, the greatest. Uh, and, uh, again, I think it's sort of a dangerous song to start an album on because it is of such high quality. Justin. Uh. It's it, it it's so iconic. There should be another word for it. Like I, iconic doesn't do it justice because we throw it around too often at this point. But this, <laughs> this song invented iconic. I'm not sure. It is one of the things that Jeremy was talking about when I was listening to this album was he was like, it's sort of scientific, the way that the chords progress, the way that you feel like you feel that you must celebrate the way that you feel that you must dance. I have experienced so much dopamine to this track. Oh yeah. I, I love her for that. And I like, and that's really, that's one of the impacts, you know, to be an artist and be like, I've given people so much joy because of this track. Like what an accomplishment. I don't, I wouldn't need anything else. Um, so many memories. There are people to this day that will text me when they hear this song come on be, just because of the memories I've made to this song. Like it, I, I think that's a, a measure of great music, you know? Yes, that truly is. Oh, that gave me goosebumps. I love, I love that. <laughs> uh, um, I love this song. It's the best song. It's the best song. <laughs> As we decided last summer, listen to our Songs of Summer uh, podcast is a wild episode, but um, I won't give away the ending. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I give it a 16 out of 10 just because that's large. Oh, shit. Okay, you're right. You're right, though. You're right. <laughs> um okay next up is just the lonely talking again um would you like to take this one why not (laughs) i um this is the first of many schmaltzy ballads this one's about getting back together with an ex and doubting if it's the real deal this one has grown on me over the course of listening to this album it's very schmaltzy i should say like this song is sort of an introduction to the sound of this album which i feel like i want to dance with somebody has become so timeless right like it definitely is very specific in production but the way that it's executed has grown to feel um, definitely still, you can tell it's from the eighties, but it's a little more timeless than a lot of these other tracks, particularly these ballads here. Um, I, I I think I wrote, it's the first of many songs that don't rise to the level of Whitney's talent. I love her tone and phrasing on the chorus though. Like I think that this is, I, I do like this song, but it's just, not as good as she is 7.5 out of 10. What do you think? 
Um, I wrote, I, I had to recalibrate myself to this sort of like late eighties, early nineties. Sound is so specific. It's so specific. And I like any, we ran into this, I think with the Janet album as well. Like when they do a slow, like these, the phrases take millenniums to get through. Like they spend so much time between words on words. Just, it was a lot. Um, I was like, the pop girl in me wanted her to get to the point, but I do think like of these, like you said, schmaltzy sort of ballads, this one, the writing is more specific. I think it has like a, a, a point of view and, and, a, and a full narrative going. And so I give it an eight out of 10. Can you, uh, I'm having trouble thinking of the central phrase. Can you sing a little of it for me? Do you remember? Um, no, I, something or is it just the lonely talk? Like, how does it go? Lonely. Um, okay. Let me pull up the lyrics. I'm doing the same. Let's hear. Oh, okay. 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 Um, Oh, tell, are you really ready for that boy? Or is it just the lonely dark? And again, um, I think it's, I think she has a really beautiful sound on this chorus here. Yeah. The, are you really, like, it's pretty, it's pretty. Um, yeah. and, and now everyone who listened to the intro where I was like, I think I'm a mediocre, good vocalist and I don't understand how my vocals were bad. Everyone's like, oh my God, this delusional bitch. <laughs> Um, I disagree. When you did that, I was like, ooh, what a nice flip between chest and head. You know what? You know what? This is why I pay you. Okay. (laughs) Should we, uh, anything else to say about this track? What, what, what else do we have to say about just the lonely talking again? Um, it's good. It's good. It's good. Yeah. What's your, do you have an out of 10 rating? Eight out of 10. I will say. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So love will save the day. I'll start, I'll start in this one. I was like, okay, we found the sense of urgency here, mm. but there is the melody, the nary a melody, I will say, which kind of surprises me. Okay. I like this one. Um, I wrote a fucking banger, fun writing production, a belted vocal in a great range for her. This one is like, love will save the day. Like, I think it's catchy. I like it. And it's this fun sort of like upbeat. Um, I, I give it a 9.5 out of 10. I think it's just like a fun song. It's, is it, it can't approach some of these other songs on the album, but it, it far exceeds for me any of the ballads. No, I like it. I, I will say, like, did you do, like, she has such a specific, like, she, like, her melodies are always really strong. Like, this one is just a little bit more disjointed for me, but it gives you variety. It's fun. Mm. I also feel like it sounds like she's giving a pep talk at halftime, but she doesn't have a lot of time to say everything. So she's just really going for like saying it as quickly as possible. And like, I like it. I'm, and I mean, we've seen a lot of pop albums and I don't think that this one follows that. Maybe it kind of does where like the first five tracks are like stacked with hits. And I Mm -hmm. think that like, she knew this was a strong track. She knew this showed like range a little bit. And so she put it here. And so I like, it's an enjoyable moment in, in this album. Yeah. Um, didn't we almost have it all? Oh, wait. I'll wait, did you give this a number, uh, number? Nine out of 10. 
Okay. I'm sorry to have like pushed this number thing, but I kind of think it's fun and we can drop it whenever we want to. And you don't have to participate. I just think it's useful, especially when we get to the end and I'm like, what are my top three? Having those numerical values. I don't know. It saves my life. Yeah. I also feel like it keeps us honest because pop music is so wishy-washy. <laughs> I know. I do think we skew things high though. We don't give a lot of twos and threes. And frankly, we have listened to some twos and threes. <laughs> That's true. I think we just, you know what? We come at we come at pop music with such an optimism, and that's we're generous. We're generous people. <laughs> okay, wait. I can't wait to talk about the next song. Yes. Um, didn't we almost have it all? Mm-hmm. What do you? What are your takes? Didn't we almost have it all. Okay. So there's one musical line on this that is so reminiscent of the song from a chorus line. What I did for love. Do you have the same take? Do you know the song? What I did for love. Okay, so um, on What I Did for Love, it's this big song. It's, like, the big thing that people remember from Chorus Line other than, like, one singular sensation. It's the one um, – It's I think it's sung by Diana Morales, the character, and she's like, uh, kiss today, goodbye, and point me toward tomorrow. We did what we had to do. Okay, listen to that. Listen to what I'm about to sing. Uh we can take the night into tomorrow. Like it's very, very similar and it freaks me out every time. And I wrote, frankly, I would rather hear that. Like I'd rather hear her cover what I did for love. Frankly, she should have done that. Um, I wrote, this is one of Whit's stronger ballads, but it's still not as good as her voices. It's melody and lyrics don't match. Like it's, it's a song about, or at least as I interpret it, a relationship that has come to an end there. She's like, didn't we almost have it all? Like it was good. Right. Um, but it, the melody is very triumphant, but it's a breakup song. And I get that it's supposed to be bittersweet, but for me, I, it just doesn't totally land. I do think it's a beautiful vocal from her eight out of 10. Um, I will say that when you were giving the spiel about a chorus line, Jeremy was like, mm-hmm, yes, yes, mm-hmm. So the music... Thank God. The, the, the theater queens get it, honey. Uh, <laughs> I I do think that the, uh, one of the motifs that's going to come up over and over again in this album is, is this song as good as her voice? No. And so... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's hard, right? It's a hard task. It's one of the greatest voices of all time. It's hard to write the greatest song of all time. However, she's hiring people to do that for her and she should have hired better people. I know she didn't have too much choice, but I feel like she has to hit this sweet spot though. Like she like the because she has such a great voice, like the the music just has to be super universal and then super catchy. And like she does strike gold um at times, but you can't strike gold every time. And so that's why I do feel like this, this album is just hit or miss. Mm. Um, but this one I'm like sweeping grand vibrato. And I do feel like there's such a dignity to the way that she approaches. Oh um, yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. And the way that like she does the all is like a very mm. choral and operatic sort of vowel. And that's stunning. And I love hearing that. It's so pleasing. Um, I also love that the name of every song on this album sounds maybe like two is just the first phrase of the chorus. Like it's, so <laughs> but I, I like this one of, of the songs that are like straightforward songs for her to sing. Mm-hmm. I like this one. And so, um, I'm going to give this one an eight out of 10. Great. We're matchers on that one. 
Yes. Um, so emotional. What do you think? Um, I think it's a great song and vocal, 10 out of 10. I don't have many notes about this one. I think it's a really fun song. I think it's um, really, like, fun and relatable, you know, getting really emotional when you're with the person you like. And, like, um, then I think a lot of us... A lot of us have the memory of Sasha Velour performing to this song, raising the wig from her head, rose petals falling down, and sort of embodying that, like, outsized romantic yearning. Um, And so I think, like, the combo, this song, um, I think, has gotten stronger for me over time. The more times I listen to it, the more I hear things. Um, And I think... It's it's pretty perfect. I mean, it's not I want to dance with somebody, but it like it's pretty fucking good. What do you think? Do you not like it? No, I love it. Is the okay. thing. I'm about to say something wild, which I may regret. Yeah, no. Oh my god, no. You can't say it. I like this one better right nope. now than I want to dance with somebody. Okay, why though? Because I think it's so fucking chic. Like I It is just, chic. It's chic. It's chic. Like I um it's cutting. I I love she just gives us one tiny bit of spoken word in the second in the second verse and like it's so perfectly placed and she knows what I love about her this one is it's poetic where she cuts the phrases to like to then strengthen the message of the song and i like try not dancing to this like i just i just think it's fantastic um and actually like thinking back to that we remember sasha velour but then we also remember uh, um shay coulee and that incredible like double yeah. vest leather um and the little short wig Yes, that like that look to me embodied. That look was amazing. It was amazing. It was it embodied the chicness of the song and sort of mm. the, like the darkness. And I um I love this song. I I see why it had such an impactful moment on Drag Race, and I see why it's become legendary. And um, wow, seventeen out of ten. <laughs> oh my god! Holy shit! Wow, I, that's amazing. I. I give it a 10 out of 10 and I, I could give it an 11. Um, I don't know if it's a 17 for me and I stand by, I do think, I do think I want to dance with somebody as a bigger hit for a reason. I think it's certainly, I think it's more formulaic and that works for me. Whereas so emotional, I think you have to hit a threshold of a certain number of times that you've listened to it, um, to get as hype as you do on your like second or third time listening to, I want to dance with somebody. And part of the other thing about, I want to dance with somebody is it is so much a part of our public memory and like likely memories, like, uh, personal memories. Like you probably, if you haven't heard it at a prom or a wedding or a major event in your life, like where have you been? Right. (laughs) I mean, it's the song, it's the song. So, um, that, that conditions us to like it. So, um, I, I think so emotional is amazing. I just don't think it's, I I don't know the, the formulaicness of, I want to dance with somebody in that, Great key change. I mean, it does it for me. I mean, um, that's all I have to say. But I, I hear you. I hear you. It's a great song. 
It's a great song. I I was thinking just a weird thing popped into my brain, but I do, I, I don't think she would do it Whitney justice, but I do think Lord would have a really interesting take to So Emotional because it is sort of in the vein of melodrama. I actually love that idea. Yeah. And I love that it's not, I, I actually think that would be incredible. Yeah. She can't sing. Um, can she sing it? I don't know. Can Lord Scrouts vote in our comments? Okay. <laughs> We don't um, have comments. <laughs> I'll make it. Um, I'll make it a poll on Instagram when we drop the album or that yeah, That'll be fun. Let's do it. Okay. Um, what do you think of where you are? This is what I wrote. <laughs> okay. I'll also explain my process listening to this particular album and taking notes. So I listened to the album. Many times over the past, like, two weeks, I would say, I probably listened to it in, in like, five to seven times. And uh, the most recent time when I was taking notes, just because of where in my listens I was, I started taking notes midway through, came back to the top, and worked my way down. So this is about at the end of my notes-taking session, but at the around the middle of the album. So this is where I was starting to really crystallize some of my criticisms about the album, which you probably won't, you'll hear some of, but not as much of as we get into the later tracks. Cause that was the start of my notes. So this one I wrote, I'm so mad at her producers. What the fuck? Ugh, I don't love this seven out of 10 for the vocal. <laughs> I do think that seven out of 10 is generous. I'm going to say it. Um, it is. It is. I don't like this song. Why did I give it seven out of 10? This is a two. No, it's not because she's singing. That's the thing though. With this album, it's like this song is a piece of trash. The song was written by 70 year old white men who have never felt a feeling in their lives, giving it to the most like living legend singer of all time in her prime, in her vocal prime. And it just makes me mad. It makes me mad because I can't give the song a two because the greatest singer, one of the greatest singers of all time is like going at it. Um, but at the same time, the song is horrible. What do you think? Um, I mean, I love that, that you characterize it as 70 year old men writing it. I can't, I, I think you're right. Um, I wrote yikes. It has to be hard to follow. So emotional. Like it, I don't think, I don't think there's a song that will like could follow that song and still be good. And, and that's the stuff of an incredible album is when you can, I want to dance with somebody. Well, right. Right. (laughs) True. (laughs) But that's the thing is that with this album, like right after I want to dance with somebody and so emotional, she followed them up with like schmaltzy palettes. And so I think that that was strategic sequencing, but I think it was wrong. I think it was wrong sequencing. And I think that like the album suffers because of it. And I just wrote the pacing was slow. It's just, it's not the song for me. I'm going to give it a five out of 10. Ooh. I, I want to jump in with one thing, which is in my research, uh, overwhelmingly contemporary criticism of the album was mixed, you know, giving a lot of credit to her voice, her technique, her expression, and critiquing the songs. Um, even at the time, well, at the time, actually, they said that the album itself was super formulaic, which I'm like, what did an album sound like in 1983? Like, we or 1987, we haven't c- covered 
too many albums before 1990. Um, But the idea that this album sounds formulaic boggles my mind because to me it is all over the place. It's all over the place. Yes, it is sort of a Pussycat Dolls of a 1987 release. Oh my god, culminating with what we're going to talk about at the end of this. Okay, let's move forward because I can't wait to talk about chess. Oh my god, I can't. I've never seen chess. Um, okay, so let's go with, uh, is this right? Yes, <laughs> love is a contact sport. <laughs> love is a contact sport. I love this song. This is a bop and a huge add to my favorites. It's a fun beat there's horns there's great backup vocals there's some great Whitney ad libs at the end I would give it a 10 out of 10 I love this song as well. I mean, if we're talking, and like in 1987, this would have been considered a side B track. You would have flipped the cassette and this is, would have been sort of side B and we like, and we can give sort of like weirdness and like, um, we can give them the, the license to be weird. And I think this is Whitney getting weird. I want to sort of suit up an all white football pads and dance to it. Like, I think it's so fun. Um, and it does sort of kind of remind me of that, like in the vein of Olivia Newton-John, let's get physical. Like it's a tried and true sort of me- metaphor motif um, that works so well. So I love, love, love this track. Um, you're still my man. What Wait, do, we do you have think? a numerical value for that one? You're right. Um, I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. Sick. Nine out of 10. <laughs> I think nine out of 10 is maybe more appropriate. But compared to the rest of the album, 10 out of 10. We're grading on a scale. <laughs> yeah. Sliding. And uh, so emotional for you is the bar. <laughs> well, <laughs> everything <laughs> is a 3 out of 10 then. Um, if we're going by a, a curve. Um, okay, okay. Um, you're still my man. I wrote very little notes on this, so I'm just going to read them really quick. I I wrote, yes, full voice belt to a key change. There's a key change here towards the end. It's nice. Um, And then I just wrote the song lyrics are flimsy, but we're just here for the belt here because this one does get pretty belty. What do you think? I wrote schmaltz, flute, synth, keyboard, head voice. Um, This song kind of... I wrote this makes me think of her husband, Bobby Brown. Like, it's, like, about, like, the narrative is, like, you're still my man, even though you kind of treat me bad. And I, it's not my favorite narrative, um, especially with her later personal life. But she's giving a beautiful vocal. Um, I wrote throughout, but especially on the second verse, there's some phrasing that she does that's just, like, jaw-dropping. Like, she's such an incredible artist. Like, it's like, this song is not worthy of your phrasing of it, you know, but good, like, good job. Um, this song is not my favorite at all. Sounds like a show tune. Okay. This is where I started doing a little bit of research. Cause I was like, what, what is the deal with all of these tracks sounding so bad to my ears? So a major producer and writer on the entire, entire album was named Michael Masser. He, uh, passed a couple of years ago in 2015, I guess that's more than a couple years ago, but, um, he is a songwriter. He's worked with a lot of the greatest, you know, you know, he's worked with like Dolly and everybody. Um, he, 
though at the time he was working on this album, you know, he's an established musician. He's like in his mid forties. He's, um, he worked with, uh, Whitney on her debut album and on this album. And, uh, he wrote on this particular album, he wrote, didn't we almost have it all? And you're still my man. And he produced a number of the tracks. So he was like a guy in his like mid late forties producing and writing for this album when, you know, Whitney's in her early twenties on this. Like it's, uh, I think that generational gender racial gap is why some of this material doesn't land for me. This guy is a, is a, clearly a good songwriter. He wrote amongst other songs for Whitney. He wrote saving all my love for you, which I, I love. He wrote the greatest love of all, which is so iconic. Um, but I don't, I don't think that even those songs are, equal to Whitney's talent. And so I fault him for a lot of this album. Well, I mean, it's so interesting. You're right. That like, she was working with this sort of like middle-aged man who like, like, right. The, there, there is like, just like a professionalism to the way that these love songs are written. If that makes sense. Right. It's not, it's not felt right. Yeah. And Whitney's bringing it as best she can, but these love songs are really, sterile they're sort of devoid i think the love the love songs are devoid of like sexuality and passion um whereas a lot of the faster songs are also kind of chased but like maybe tapping into that a little bit more it's it's like a very interesting image that they're constructing for whitney on these early albums and did you see any of the documentaries that came out with, about her in the past, like, decade? There was a big one that came out where they specifically interviewed her sort of, like, team member slash, like, former lover slash best friend, Robin. And Robin also wrote a memoir recently. No. Tell me about it, though. Well, so... um you know, a lot of the documentaries about her. And then I also will add at this point, we just talked about skepticism with documentaries and with, uh, Britney Spears. So let's approach this at arm's length. Um, but you know, in this particular case, uh, Robin, who was one of Whitney's closest team members and friends and, um, had a relationship with her came out about their, like, you know, uh, what, their friendship and uh, apparently like very sort of brief sexual relationship was like, I mean, she didn't give like details or anything, but, um, it was a big moment because people had long speculated and I don't think anyone had confirmed that relationship or Whitney's queerness in general. Um, and, a lot in that album, uh, not album documentary made me really sad. This is a documentary that I believe is also titled Whitney. And, um, you know, it's about how her labels were trying to create this like squeaky clean image of her, how that wasn't who she was through and through, whether we're talking about her queerness or her, um, addiction problems or her relationship with Bobby Brown, just like none of it was what, um, they were trying to construct for her. And, um, yeah, I love Whitney Houston. I really love her. And, 
it's such a tragedy. Her whole, th- her and her, her daughter, Bobby Christina, like, it's just such a tragedy. And, um, she is gone too soon and I mourn her. I do all the time. I, um, I don't know what this had to do with this. <laughs> so, no, oh no, it was I, about her relationship with Michael Masser and working with these older white producers, which I think is also related to what I'm talking about in her death, right? Like she died. Didn't she die the night before the Grammys, right? Like she was supposed to go to Clive Davis's party, Clive Davis being another older white male producer of hers. And, um, I think it was a Beverly Hills Hilton. They found her and it, um, it's, I, I remember where I was. I remember everything about it. I, it was, it was devastating. I couldn't believe it. But also the, the media had really, I think done that damage, um, in terms of setting her up for that. And, you know, she, I, I just think she's such a tragic figure and she deserves so much better from all of us. I just, Oh man, now I feel bad. <laughs> I feel bad. I love with her so much. She is a huge talent who like, who was hugely affected by the media. And so I think it actually is like, it, it is such a poignant time to talk about her life and talk about how she was treated. Um, and to, and to, to come back to the track that we were talking about, I do have feelings about like her working with these white male producers who took advantage of her, um, talent, who took advantage of her time, didn't give her material that was equal to her talent. And then kind of like let them sick the dogs on her. I just think that's so gross. And, um, I, uh, I miss her. It kind of makes me think of, and this is like, I, I'm glad that someone put a Dolly Parton song in her hands. Like if not like a, like a peer of hers, like a person of color, at least she got a female writer. And like, and that's why that song became so iconic was because that song really had something to it that Whitney could connect to. And like, thank God we got, I will always love you from. It's a great, it's a great song. No matter who sings it, I think Dolly's version is beautiful. I think Whitney's version is beautiful. Um, and on, uh, the podcast we've discussed on this podcast, Dolly Parton's America, they talk about how that song got into the hands of Whitney Houston. And it was, I think, uh, Gigi and Bella Hadid's stepfather, David Foster, who is now married to Catherine McPhee. It is a small, small world. I don't want to talk about Catherine McPhee ever. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, for the love of you, um, this, okay, this track, no, this is ambient jazz resort music. It's just bad. I was like, her voice is obviously great, but I'm, I don't feel anything. Like, I'm, I'm devoid of feeling. I, I hated this track. What did you think? I wrote, a lot going on in production here. Sax, beat, like um, steel drums or something. Synth. And birds. This song, there is birds. This song is too chill and the lyrics are lackluster. A truly gorgeous, smooth vocal from Whitney, but the material is not up to par. Who invited Kenny G to this party? Five out out of ten. It's honestly more like a four, but like Whitney really does elevate her material. Yeah, I'll give it, I'll go with five, four out of ten as well. I think that's a really smart barometer for this one. Um, 
Where do broken hearts go? What's your take? Um, oh gosh. I, oh, okay. Wait, I think we need, oh no, 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 no. I'm just confused in my notes. Okay. Where do broken hearts go? go? I wrote, this is more like it, but still no great masterpiece at eight out of 10. Yeah, I feel like there's an interesting departure with this one from the other schmaltzy ballads in that this one is not schmaltzy. This one does have, the phrasing is, there's a more of a sense of urgency to it. The It's really, it's sparse on production compared to the rest of the songs in the verses. And then there there are moments in the in the chorus. There's a lot of background vocal. There, It's very karaoke driven in terms yeah. of like, this is one of the Whitney's that you can really sing to. I think it's, you know, it, it's very 80s in the narrative, but I think it's a strong song from her. I think it belongs on this album, um, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to give this one a 7.5 out of 10. Nice. Nice. Um, is I Know Him So Well next? Yes, or, um, absolutely. Great. What are your take? What's your take? Here are my notes. A chess, the musical cover, five question marks. On an Elaine, <laughs> oh, no, then I wrote an Elaine Page cover, two question marks. <laughs> With Sissy Houston, question mark, exclamation mark, mark, question mark. A song about a wife and her husband's mistress, four question marks. This is bonkers, 12 out of 10. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm sorry. 12 out of 10 after it's all. so funny. There's nothing better than this song. I swear to God. No, this song, it's so funny. Great vocal from Whitney. Great vocal from Sissy. Mother and daughter, though, in the song, they're built in to be, like, someone's wife and someone's mistress. And it's so weird. It's so iconic. A, a better mother-daughter duet we could not ask for. No. We'll say that I didn't know that this was a chess, the musical cover. I, I've barely heard of chess. Um, it makes me think of that one straight play proofs. I don't know. Like, and I'm sure it's not the same vibe, but no, no, and proof, proof? The math yeah. play. No, no, yeah. no, no. Okay. Chess. She's different. Do you know okay. who wrote chess? No. Mm-mm, okay. No. Chess is written by Benny and Bjorn of ABBA with, uh- Lyrics by Bjorn of Abba and Tim Rice and a book by Tim Rice. And it's about a Cold War era chess tournament between two grandmasters, one America, American and the other Soviet Russian. So what I don't like about this, though, is I wish it was... um, the you know the queen's gambit where but right. both of the grandmasters are men and so i don't really care except for this song which is one of the sort of storied musical theater ballads the very known version is elaine page doing this uh and um this was originally too chess the musical was originally a um concept album and then the musical and it um is sort of legendary at this point because it's like kind of stupid like a musical about jazz <laughs> it's weird um but it's also i don't know i'm kind of obsessed with the aesthetic 
I mean, I'm obsessed with the costumes in the Queen's Gambit. I really think it's probably the best costume design I've seen in the last five years. Oh, it's um, beautiful. Beautiful. Um, I I thought that this was a really nice song. I really do think their voices work so well together. And I, like... Um, I, and I wrote not knowing that this was a cover from a musical. I literally wrote the words. I feel like there's so much drama in these late 80s ballads. Yeah. So we were picking up on something here. Um, as far as songs go on this album, I would give it, I would give it an 8 to a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, it's a full 12 out of 10 for me. The circumstances, the material, the mother-daughter duet, it just does it for me. It's legendary. Is it good? No. Is it legendary? Yes. And is it good? Also, vocally, yes. So, it, again, it's just a, a circumstance of the music uh, not matching up to the talent we have here, and that's sort of the thesis, I think, as I'm sure you'll agree, right? Like, that's the deal here. Yeah, that's the... It's There's just so much great vocal work, and as you said, the phrasing... I feel like Whitney Houston, she's such a great reader. Like she could be, she's one of those actresses that could walk into a room, like pick up a script and just give it so much life having never looked at it. And I think that that's like probably what she did with some of these songs. She was like, okay, here's this song written by an old white man. Let me give it everything. And, And that's how, like, that's where we're, how we're hearing these songs. But am I like thankful Yes, absolutely. Whitney, I always want you to serve me up a lot of songs. If it's hit or miss, fine. I don't care. Like, this is, like, she's amazing. She's incredible. Speaking of, should we pick our faves? Let's do our faves. Let's do our faves. Okay, I'm I'm going to do this numerically based on how I rated these songs out of 10. My highest rating is I Want to Dance with Somebody at a 15 out of 10. Um, next, we're going to have uh, <laughs> I Know Him So Well at a 12 out of 10. Um, and after that, we have a tie between So Emotional and Love is a Contact Sport. Uh, what about you? What are your top tracks here? I'm not here for the disrespect for so emotional, but like, fine. It's whatever. not disrespect. It's just, um, I I don't know. Keep going. Tell me more about why you like it. <laughs> no, I just I I like it because it th- there's a sophistication with which it's written that is not there on a lot of the other tracks on this sure. album. Oh, sure. But um, if we're talking faves, it's it's I want to dance with somebody so emotional. And then it's just sort of like the fun, weird, fast tracks, which is love is a contact sport and um, love will save the day. Those are the four. Amazing. I think that's a great list. Yeah, I would absolutely put them in my library, revisit them, and love them. Um, Okay, let's rate the album. Um, We typically rate on a boxed wine system. We've been frequently going off the rails and just equating them to whatever beverage we see fit, alcoholic or not. Um, But just for references, 
Franzia is the worst, middle is a black box, and then our highest rating is a cab sove, um, or cab sove Boda box. Boda is the pinnacle of success when it comes to a boxed wine. Um, Kaylee, what is your rating? You know, this one's hard because I think as you've heard, this is the cream of the crop and some not great crop. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's, it's a, it really runs the gamut from some of the greatest songs ever recorded in pop music to a heap and pile of trash. That's only made better by one of the greatest voices to ever record pop music. Like it's really hard, I think to rate this cause it, the, the, the levels of, um, enjoyment for me on this, like fluctuate so wildly. Um, something that came to mind as something that also fluctuates wildly, uh, brought to mind by producer Aaron Burnett is the Harry bear. If you're not familiar, the Harry bear is a drink served at bears in Bloomington, Indiana. And to my knowledge, nowhere else It is a secret recipe of like five different liquors, uh, and some fruit juices. It tastes firmly disgusting, but also fruity and like fun. Um, you drink one, you're kind of trash. I've never attempted to drink two, and that is one of my greatest regrets in life. What's your rating, Justin? I have drank two um, Harry Bears. I only did it once. Um, How did you feel? So it was the night that we had the party um, after my thesis, and I I don't remember, so you can tell me how I felt, but I... um, you know, it was really fun. I know, I remember it being stunningly fun. Um, and you know what? I'm going to be a truther for the hairy bear for a moment. And I do think it, I'm going to give it the exact same rating. I think you're correct. Um, but let's just break down the recipe really quick. Wait, I should also say part of the reason we're rating it a a hairy bear is because famously, if you're not from Bloomington, Indiana, you won't know this, but hairy bears are famously strong, but they actually can come in sort of a variety of strengths from very, I would say weak for a hairy bear, super strong for a drink to knock you out cold. So uh, it, it really runs the gamut and that's why. I think it aligns with this album. Sorry yeah. to interrupt. Continue, please. No, no, no. I, I no. I think that's really important, and I think that the and that's <laughs> it's important. Thing. Like, I want to dance with somebody as a knockout. Like, you could listen to that song, think it's an incredible album, and not have heard the rest of the tracks because you were just like, well, just like meditating on how good that one song was. So, Hawaiian Punch is in a Harry Bear. Hawaiian Punch for me strong taste really a hit i love it there's also sprite sprite for me is a filler and there are a lot of filler tracks okay oh whoa whoa whoa. i'm i just gotta throw in i love sprite i don't love hawaiian punch i want it on the record continue please well and i love so emotional and you love i want to dance with somebody i know and which one is tried and true it's sprite I would say it's Hawaiian Punch. Hawaiian Punch. No, no, no. You'd pull America. We love Sprite. Um, Hawaiian Punch is a gimmick. You know what? This out. Oh, that's insane. You know. (laughs) Sorry, that was such an evil cackle. That was like a textbook evil cackle. I never laughed. Well, I probably have laughed like this before, literally on the podcast, listeners. All twenty six of you, you've heard. 
<laughs> this album could also be a McDonald's Sprite because it's so fucking funky and crazy. Um, okay, whoa. Okay, I agree with that though. <laughs> <laughs> and then in uh, in a Harry Bear is also tequila, rum, vodka. Am I getting that right, Erin? Now, yeah, that's the thing. We don't necessarily know. Just as we don't necessarily know the, like, production sort of themes, the the research, what they were inspired by, to put things like love as a contact sport on the same album as for the love of you. Like, I, I don't understand why those two things go together. Um, and I don't understand why we're mixing three very different alcohols into a Harry Bear, but I do know it somehow works. Okay, uh, we've heard from one of the producers, Jeremy Smith, no tequila, it's gin, it's uh, rum, and it is vodka, vodka, rum, gin. Vodka, rum, gin? And... and I, I don't get the joke. No. I don't get the joke. Okay. Oh, All right. Well, no joke. No I joke. take issue with there not being tequila in there. I think there's tequila in there sometimes. Well, in our version, there will be. We'll yeah. do it again. We'll do it again. All okay. right. I love a hairy bear. Oh, that's the one thing I miss from Bloomington, other than the actual people. I will say that I thought about driving up to Bloomington for the graduation, not to go to graduation, but just to go to hair, like just to go to bears and get a hairy bear. It's oh that my like, God. you should have done it though. It would have been fun, but mother's day. I mean, I feel like that might be more. Important. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's mother's day weekend. <laughs> um, okay, oh, so- we should mention that we're recording this on, it's too late, but Saturday, May 8th, probably yes. Sunday, May 9th for many of you. True. And you know what? Um, let's also mention that we did once go to a prestigious Midwestern university. Uh, Located in Bloomington, Indiana. Just Google it. Um, it's not a secret at this point. We're not, we're not keeping secrets. What's the game? Who's here? Who's going to give us the game? It's me, Aaron. I'm your host for this week's game. Can't wait. I'm obsessed. So... The game this week is called I Know Them So Well from Chess. (laughs) And this game is based on Guess Who. It is a celebrity (gasps) guessing game. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is so exciting. I can't wait. And here. The TikTok I saw recently. Anyway, (laughs) going. Here are the rules you have to use yes or no questions to guess the other person's celebrity. You'll each receive a list of the celebrities that you have via text from Cam. And (gasps) the rule is that you must say Whitney's name in your question. An example might be, is this person a singer like Whitney Houston? Okay. okay. Uh, If you don't, if you don't do that, the other person gets another celebrity added to their list, meaning that you would have to guess an extra one. Oh, okay. So you guys wanted this game to last four hours. <laughs> Got it. Wait, wait, wait. Can you repeat that last rule? I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. So you have to say Whitney's name in the que- in your question. And if you don't do that, then the other then the other person will get another celebrity added to their list, meaning that you would have to guess another one. 
Oh, so yeah. Okay. Now I understand. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. This is going to be long. Let's go. I'm ready. Wait, Cam just sent me a message with invisible ink. Does yeah. That you got to that- scrub it. You got to scrub it with your finger. Uh-huh. And then I would screenshot it. That's what I did. That's what I'm doing. Cameron, I don't know why you did invisible ink. This is actually. It's for the drama. It's for the drama. drama. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. Wait, I'm obsessed. Oh my God. Oh my God. This is good. Um, The other, the only other rules are if you guess a celebrity correctly, you get to go again. Um, And then whoever guesses all of the other person's celebrities first wins. Okay, I got another question. So when we're like, is X a uh, blonde? Uh, does that refer to how, what? How do you play guess who? Like what? Who does? Do, what happens? You just have to ask a yes or no question. Uh huh. And you're trying to guess who the other person's celebrity is that they have. We have a a list of multiple celebrities, so we go down one by one. You go, yeah. You go from you go one by one. Yeah, amazing. Got it. Yeah. I can't wait. Oh my god. Okay. And Kayla, would you like me to ask the first question, or would you prefer you ask ask the first question? I'm ready. Okay. Um, Is your celebrity um, was was your celebrity in a film like Whitney Houston? Yes. Okay. Cool. Okay. Was your is your celebrity American like Whitney Houston? Yes. Okay. Is your celebrity um female identifying like Whitney Houston? No. Okay. Is your celebrity female like Whitney Houston? No. Wait, did you say no when I said that? Yeah. Okay, love. Okay. Female or or male actor. Okay. I got a I got a non-female American. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um is your celebrity blonde unlike Whitney Houston? Sometimes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, is your is your celebrity white unlike Whitney Houston? Yeah. Oh, a white non-male American. Oh my gosh, let's go. <laughs> There's a lot. Okay. Was your celebrity, is your celebrity, whatever, um, in an action movie unlike Whitney Houston? <laughs> No. No, no action movies allowed. Um, is your celebrity a musician like Whitney Houston? No. What? Okay. I don't know if Whitney Houston's won an Oscar. Is your, is your celebrity an Oscar award winning actor? No. Okay. Unlike Whitney Houston. Is your celebrity uh, blonde unlike Whitney Houston? (laughs) We're always going for blondes. Um, Sometimes. Uh, That sucks. I know. 
know. Um, well, but I mean, <laughs> this is hard. Okay. This okay. is really hard, especially when we don't have picture or a definitive picture. Okay. Um, whose turn is it? Your turn or my turn? My turn. Um, okay. 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 Is ask questions about the group as a whole, if you would like. Wait, are they all related? Or go out of order, like a guess who board? Okay. Okay. This is hard. No, absolutely. I can't do that. Okay, all right. What are you talking about? This is so hard. You have to be able to be more. Can we, like, I don't know. This is going to take so long, y'all. Can we give hints? Let's give hints. Yeah, we can give hints. (laughs) You can give a hint, but it has to be related to Whitney Houston. Okay. Um, I'm gonna give you a hint. Yeah. I'm gonna be generous. I'm gonna give you a hint, and then you give me a hint. Okay. So my my celebrity was romantically linked to someone with a huge voice like Whitney Houston. Okay. So we have. Let me reiterate. What I understand, a blonde, non-male, American celebrity who has it, who was romantically linked to someone with a huge voice? How the fuck so, am I supposed to know who this is? A blonde male celebrity. A blonde male celebrity. Linked to someone, romantically linked to someone with a huge voice like Whitney Houston. I should spend more time paying attention to blonde males, but I don't. I can't. A blonde uh, video. Oh, I, I'll give a hint later that will make this easier. The next hint will be pretty easy. Male attached to someone. Is it Justin Bieber? Because I thought you meant Selena had a great voice. Okay, moving on. <laughs> what uh, I'm going to give you a hint, um, which is this person is an Emmy winner like Whitney Houston. I don't know if that's true, but she should have won an Emmy even if she didn't.com. An Emmy winning, sometimes blonde male actor. So he's TV, essentially. Um, I'm going to ask him age next. Okay. I'm going to say one word. Um, Halloween. Whitney Halloween? Mm-hmm. You said Halloween. Great voice. Halloween, male, linked to, romantically linked to someone with a huge voice. A huge voice, blonde male. Oh my gosh, I feel like an idiot. Okay, I'm thinking of blonde males, and I'll just start listing them. I know it's probably not Brad Pitt because he's uh, not that. Um, blonde males, Justin Bieber, blonde males, uh, Sebastian Sam and Lily James as Pamela Anderson. She, Lily James doesn't have a huge, who has a huge voice? Uh, um, uh, this is going to be, this might give it away, but just be more self-centered when thinking about my last clue. (laughs) You'll know it if you think about it. Self-centered. Are you talking about Cameron? Is Cameron blonde? Do I have a huge voice? (laughs) (laughs) This is really funny, and I can't give it away, but this is really funny. Wait, 
you told me to be more self-centered and you know what we were talking about how good I sing <laughs> and Cameron you can't see them at home but they have blonde hair right now uh, that's uh but it's not a male um celebrity it's a non-male celebrity so I guess it doesn't fit <laughs> self-centered yeah. that's me though mm-hmm. that's like what you Who's dating me. You Halloween. We're talking about. Um, Remember Pete when you Davidson? came to my house? Yes. <laughs> Wait, but he's not blonde. He's bleached his hair. I said yes. sometimes. I get you're you're right. Okay, I'll give you some more hints. Um, this person is controversial, like Whitney Houston, but in a different way. Controversial actor won an Emmy. This person is a multi hyphenate, like Whitney Houston. RuPaul? Yeah, you got it. Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice job. Okay, let's move on to B. Let's go. I'm ready. Yeah, let's um, do it. Uh, is this person male, unlike Whitney Houston? No. Non male. Okay. Um, is this person male, unlike Whitney Houston? No. <laughs> Love. Okay. Hey, is man. this is this person a singer like Whitney Houston? Yes. All right. Noted. Um. Not a singer first, though. Um. Is this person a singer like Whitney Houston? I will ask the same question. (laughs) Not like Whitney Houston, but this person is a singer. Okay. A female singer. Selena Gomez. No. Um, Is this person... Wait, this person is not a singer, you said? Um, Is a singer vaguely... Oh, right, right, right. You would a singer, for Is sure. this Selena Gomez? <laughs> <laughs> no. But you're um, is this person a, uh, mm, a multi-hyphenate? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to throw in a hint. Also loves, like, businesses. Thinks shoes. Um, is this person Sarah Jessica Parker? You're correct. You're okay. correct. Amazing. Yay. Um, I'll throw in a hint. This person has questionable taste. <laughs> questionable taste singer, but not sort of like Whitney. Not like And Whitney. also this person is um has sung as part of a group mostly unlike Whitney Houston. Gwen Stefani. No. But you're warm. You're warm. Uh, This person has peed their pants in public, unlike Whitney Houston. Fergie. Yeah. (laughs) I like the hints. Maybe we could give each other hints instead of asking each other questions. I'm sorry to override the producers, but I am really bad at asking questions because I don't know what's wrong with me. There's a sort of formulaic quality to guess who that we're going to now shirk. (laughs) I think the hints sound great. I think that's what you should definitely do. Just like Whitney Houston. 
just like Whitney Houston, I'll give you a hint. This person is just like Whitney Houston. Is it Whitney Houston? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, I'll give you a good... Did I lose? I'm losing this game because I'm just like, here's the answer. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Give me uh, the answer, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Okay, I'm really good at telling this person apart from Taylor Swift. This is a good hint. Is that like or like unlike Whitney, Whitney Houston? Houston? Whitney Houston was not mentioned in that <laughs> hint. Whitney, Whitney, where's she? I'm really good at telling this person from Taylor Swift, unlike Whitney Houston, because Whitney Houston really hasn't had a lot of experience with Taylor Swift. I don't understand. Someone who's different from Taylor Swift, but, like, maybe not? Think about the podcast. I am. Game. Think about money. Think about online. Oh, is this, is this Jeff Bezos? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, amazing. Um, this person, <laughs> this game is turning into, like, not a game, but, like, this person um, has felt like a paper bag. <laughs> Plastic bag, I'm sorry. <laughs> this person is Katy Perry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry, producers, we ruined your game. <laughs> this person has experienced deja vu in an inferior This marriage. is Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> this is actually really fun, though. I'm so sorry, we're... What, what, Justin received a bonus celebrity for me to guess. Oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah, cool. Um, okay, wait, it's my turn? Yes, yes. This person is not Asian. <laughs> like or unlike Whitney? I'm kidding. Uh, no, unlike Whitney Houston. No, like Whitney Houston, this person is also not Asian. Wait, this should be a good hint, but I don't know. Um, it is a good hint. Fuck. What do I not? What am I missing? <laughs> fuck. I mean, there's a lot of people in the world who are not Asian, so it's um, it's. You know, there's a lot of people that are not Asian. Yeah. Is, is this person? But who it? are like not Asian? Who's notably not Asian? Scarlett Johansson. You got it right. <laughs> wow. Okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was really good. That was really good. <laughs> this person has a huge voice. <laughs> Like Whitney Houston. Is this person Whitney Houston? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Are we done? I'm out of people. I have more. Okay. Oh. oh, okay. Oh, wow. I don't know how to give a hint for this. <clears throat> this person... Um, is a big voice like Whitney Houston on, you know, big things like um, social contracts. And, social contracts? Yeah. Yes. And um, society. 
Is, and is this Karl Marx? Yes, yes. <laughs> You're joking? You got it. <laughs> Wait, okay. Also, I have to pee. Unlike Whitney Houston, I, or unlike Karl Marx, neither of them have to pee. Art Poppin' Bottles, a podcast for Marxists and Catholics. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, truly, though, like, what have we turned into? Our ideal selves or our worst nightmares? Both. I know that I've soured to myself as a, ca- a former Catholic Marxist. Um, mm. So, Marxist? I- where? <laughs> I can't. I'm still unclear on what a Marxist is. Um, okay. <laughs> I would like to thank our executive producers for doing such an incredible job each week, bringing us games, keeping us on topic, giving us facts. Um, Cameron Toy, Aaron Barnett, Jeremy Smith, you guys are phenomenal. Um, I would like to thank our incredible viewer, listeners, viewers, for staying with us this long. You are a strong group of people. Um, I would like to thank... <laughs> That's really funny. I would like to thank Karl Marx. <laughs> I'd like to thank Karl Marx, Taylor Swift, Whitney Houston, and Kayla Mishin Garvin. <laughs> oh my gosh, the most perfect sentence that I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> that was incredible. Thank you. Justin Ganaway, thank you. Thank Karl Marx. Thank Whitney Houston. Thank Taylor Swift. Thank Brian Carey. Thank Britney Spears. And on and on and so forth and so on. Thank thank you for listening. Like, rate, comment, subscribe. Yes. Farewell. Arrivederci. Farewell. <laughs> <laughs>